0: Welcome to the Gamers Change Lives Podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. This is a show about how to build an esports business from literally anywhere in the world, where each week we showcase the journey of one inspiring esports entrepreneur and learn how they solved a particular problem that everyone will ultimately face. And now to your host, Tom Leonard.
1: I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, I'm not the expert. I'm more of an explorer. The goal of the, of the podcast is to hear from esports entrepreneurs and others around the world to hear how esports can create chain, uh, jobs and to hopefully inspire others to do the same. Our tagline is play games, create jobs, change lives. Today I'm honored to have Chantal Denise Ortega, the brand Partnerships Manager at Galaxy Racer North America and her Galaxy. I'm gonna ask her in a minute about the name of their name that. Also, um Miao Zhang, who oversees game pipelines and projects at Tencent, based in Shanghai. Welcome to both of you.
2: Thank you for hosting. Hi, Tom. Um it's a pleasure to have us here.
1: Hey uh, So so where where are each of you speaking from? Miao?
2: So I'm speaking from Shanghai. Right now is 9 p.m. for me. Great, great. (laughs) And it's 8 a.m. here in Mexico City.
1: No, this is great. It's so amazing. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me that here we are. I mean, it's 6 a.m. here in uh, California, but I'm in California. Chantal, you were in uh, Mexico City. Now you're in Shanghai. Reginald is on the call. Uh, Our our producer, he's uh, in Ghana. It's just like people literally from all over the world. First, can you each tell me how you um, got involved with eSports? It's always it's always interesting to hear the very first stories, how people got interested in eSports.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, I'm more um, in the aspect of game production and publishing. But for Chanta, I think she's the expert of eSports. Why don't you share with us first?
2: Yeah, actually, my experience was I think as most of the other women in the games industry, we got into the gaming space by accident. But for me, I was actually working in hospitality in like a membership hotel, and then when the opportunity came to like you know um, go to Malaysia and start an esports outfit, I just took the chance because. I hate the traffic in the Philippines. Yeah, and eventually, because of my experience in organizing events, um, that's when we started doing um, esports tournaments across Southeast Asia.
1: Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, it's it's always it's always interesting. I mean, everyone has a different story of how they how they came to uh, to uh, to esports. Today, we're here to talk about women in games, and especially the new chapter, their new chapter in Asia. So women in games, I was, I was doing a little bit of research and they were, you say that global activists for women in games and esports. and we really like big ideas here. We like people who are doing big things like this. Can you tell us a little bit of the background of, of- women in games in general. And one of the reasons we like to hear the story of how things began, because often or not, you know, we we're, we hear from someone who's like, well, a group of people got together and they decided that this needed to be done, so they did it. And that's the kind of thing that can inspire others. So, Chantal, can you tell us a little bit about the background of women in games?
2: Okay. Um, women, women in games, um, as we call them, the mothership, because they're like the main one. Um, started in 2009 when there were only like 6% of women working in the games industry. And as you know, um, one of the goals of Women in Games is to actually encourage and inspire more women to join the industry. Like, because uh, I think um, from my experience, when I joined the industry, it's like, okay, it's male dominated, I had no support system. And the goal of Women in Games is to actually foster. Um, you know, like it's a prepared formal way for young ladies to actually be inspired to join um, the industry.
1: And they're based out of the UK, is that right?
2: Yes, the mothership is in the UK.
1: <laughs> got it, got it. So, oh, oh, I was going to ask you. Um, I, I uh, when I was mentioning that you're a Galaxy racer, mm-hmm. um, one of our earlier guests was Mitch Esquera from uh, from the Philippines from Galaxy.
2: Yes, Race, actually. Yeah, I just joined um, Galaxy Eraser North America last week. I haven't had the chance um, to meet Mitch, but yeah, we are office mates now. Now,
1: is it the organization in the U.S., which I think is really appropriate for women in gaming, is all? It, it's a it's a it's a women based uh, uh, team. Is that right?
2: Yes, actually, for Galaxy Eraser North America, our CEO is Akemi Sue Fisher. Who is a woman, and then most of my teammates are actually women too, which is very apt because one of our projects is Her Galaxy, which is a grassroots initiative to actually empower and encourage more women, younger ladies to join esports tournaments and professionally.
1: Yes, one of the things that we were learning, we're always learning things all the time here, was just how big Galaxy Racer is around the world. And it's not as well known here in the US, but they're going to be well known. On, uh, for, uh, women, women in gaming in, in the U.S. So, Mel, how long have you been at, uh, in your, your job there at Tencent?
0: Uh, I've been working here, uh, nearly a year.
1: No, Tencent, that's, that's, uh, for, that's the, that's the big one out there, the big company out there in, the, in the field of gaming. That's great. Can you talk maybe a little bit about, are there particular individuals who started women in gaming? Way back at the UK, is there there kind of a story about who started it?
2: Um, So I was just talking to the CEO of Women in Games, uh, Mary Claire. So um, with this, like, she heads everything and is actually the CFO now. So there's a lot on her plate. Um, It was nice talking to her because actually their experience in Europe, in the UK, um, is not actually, like, 100% 100% the same as in Asia, which led us to create um, the first international chapter of Women in Games. So we are Women in Games Asia.
1: Are there other chapters other than just Asia?
2: Uh, actually, We're the Pioneer, the yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So so yeah, tell us a little bit more uh, about uh, Women in Games in Asia. How is Women in Games in Asia different from women in games, um, the, the mothership, as you call
2: it. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020, so everyone was working from home, right? Um, I got an invitation to join W Coffee Sessions, which is a program led by our co-director who work for Women in Games Asia. So, you know, um, at the first Friday of every month, we, like, join a voice call, discuss um, issues that we face as women, in, as women working in the games industry in Asia. So, as you know, um, Europe and Asia culture is not not the same. There are a lot of differences. We might face some issues in Asia that pe- the ladies in Europe don't face. So it became a support system for us to, like, you know, inspire each other, learn from each other. And that is how Women in Games Asia actually came to be. Um, After 28 or 26 sessions of W Coffee, we started um, doing this new chapter. So what
1: is W Coffee? That sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, it's the first project of Dan Sun, our co-director now. Um, she just gathered 140 ladies up to, uh, to date um, to actually tune in. We have an hour each month to actually, you know, get to know each other, introduce what our companies, learn from each other's. So like, for example, if there's an issue that we face, do you have any like recommendations or suggestions to the other ladies?
1: Is, did this ha- did this come about because of the pandemic, or was it <laughs> on track yes. otherwise yes and yes, there's so many actually. so many things that that it's it's like because of the pandemic this this happened i mean it, this grew, which is mean, the whole idea of so many people working remotely i mean yeah you know it's always been there, but it hasn't been there at the same rate that it is now
2: hmm yeah, actually, but I think this- during that time um we really wanted to connect to other people, cause you know, you're like working five days a week just in front of your computer at home, it was lockdown. So by having the chance to like meet new people from different parts of Asia, that gave us like a lot of time or like, you know, it made us feel good to actually discuss issues that we face.
1: Yes, yes. So, um, so Miao, can you describe what your role is there at Women in Games in the Asia chapter.
0: Yeah, so Chantal and I are both the partnership manager for Women in Games Asia chapter. And we both um, work on the aspect of like partnering with corporates or um, speakers at panels and sort of uh, those perspectives. So we want to expand the influence of Asia chapter to raise more awareness of women professionals in the gaming industry, um, people who really need, like, who want help because, for example, they're stuck um, in the middle level and hard to get into the leadership roles. So I think that's the part, um, that's one of our main focuses to build the Asia chapter and to spread the impact.
1: Do you think, is it, no, it's interesting what you were saying there. It's like, do you think that, um, that there's a, an, an opportunity to get more women into gaming as a, and also then to get people, get women who are in gaming to give them be- better, more opportunities than maybe they had in, in the past. Is, do you see the distinction between the two, um, two concepts? Is that, is that what, Um, does women in gaming work on both those things?
0: Definitely. So for women who already in the gaming industry, uh, there's definitely a lack of presence in the leadership roles for women. So for example, as you said, uh, we're like the first two women as, um, the speakers, as a guest here, and it's a definitely male driven industry. But we also want to bring more women's voices because there's in asia there's like a fast growing female player group year by year so i think uh, it's necessary to have more voices from women on uh, in like decision making in game production like how the um, game is produced and how the character are dressed so i think for that aspect definitely we want to um, be more aware of um, how women can play an important role in the gaming industry and second um, for women who are just like interested in gaming but they're kind of like scared or afraid of joining the industry or the companies because of um, various reasons for example they think it's a industry that they can't pursue like a long-term opportunity because they might stuck at the middle level and ca- and cannot get in the to the um, decision maker roles so I think that's definitely um, an aspect that we want to promote that women can also be the decision maker
2: hmm
1: when you talk about Asia do you are you talking about what what countries does women in games think of when they think of as Asia?
0: So in general, uh, in, sure. So in our leadership team, um, we have people from China, definitely from Philippines, from um, Malaysia, Singapore, um, also Pakistan and India. I think so. I think those countries um we definitely have a diverse team that covers um a lot of countries but we we also want to expand the influence not only focusing on a certain countries but also um covers all the asian areas but definitely we have to like start from a few areas um that the corporates are more willing to um like work with us to um, raise our impact.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I just add to yeah. that as well, Tom? We, we,
1: yes. Yes, please do. Yeah. yeah, Please jump in whenever you, <laughs> you want. I mean, that, this is a conversation, yeah. not an interview. Yeah,
2: because you were asking earlier, like what sets apart um, Women in Games Asia from Women in Games in Europe? So as I said, the, um, there's cultural differences, like, Europe and Asia, but as you can see, women in games, women in games Asia is so big. Um, as Miao said, our leadership team is like so diverse. We have 10 people, 10 ladies who are like leading the way. We have different roles, right? Um, so in Asia, we want to be more inclusive. Um, actually, one of the problems we have is that, okay, um, for the core team right now, our main um, language is English. But, you know, we have a goal to actually expand in Japan, in China. It's just that there's also a language barrier. Compare that to Europe where, you know, everyone mostly can just converse in English. For us here in um, Asia, we have to, like, adapt. Um, I do wish that maybe sometime soon now... That we will really have like a group that wherein there's like people speaking in Japanese, in Chinese, and then we could all like you know discuss our the issues that we face every day.
0: Yeah, as Chantal said, um, there's definitely uh, cultural differences between um, Asian countries. So, for example, um, as uh, Chantal mentioned, that in China or in Japan women professionals in the gaming industry, they might not want to join such a community to promote a uh, women's role in the company because there's the language barrier that um, this is something um, that prohibit them from joining like our English conversation or W Coffee program. But further on, I think it's definitely uh, like direction that we can work on to bring more people with who like are from different backgrounds together to work on that.
1: What about in China, in Asia in general, do you think that, that girls are more as are just as likely as boys when they're young to be playing um to be playing games, to be participating in esports?
0: Yeah, I think definitely so we have a lot of TV reality shows about eSports, and also there's celebrities who promote eSports, but on, like on the other hand, the government is like restricting um, eSports and also gaming for young kids. But I think uh, like although the industry right now is a bit tight. Um there's like uh for a while there's no new game coming out in China but I think in the future um the direction will be to have more like healthy and positive impact um of the games on the young kids and for girls like um there's a like a um like a phenomenon Phenomenal game called um, AOV. I, I'm not sure, like, uh, what's the name in Arena of Valor. Arena of Valor. I think it's uh Avengers of something. But but whatever is it's uh it's a very popular game in China, and the main uh player groups are. Like young girls and boys, and also um, teenager teenagers who are female. So I think definitely there's a large group of girls in China who play games a lot and who are interested in e sports. That's
1: that's great. It, yeah, it's it, things are always changing, and it's like you just you, you never know what's what's coming up next. <clears throat> I was looking at Women in Gaming and I saw something about the Ambassador Program. Chantal, can you explain a little bit about what is the Ambassador Program in Women in Gaming and how does that, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, what role does it fill?
2: Um, So the Ambassador Program is you join this community wherein you like stand for equality, inclusion, diversity for the games industry. So you can join, anyone can join, may you be a female or a male, what have you, Um, you can join to support and be an ally actually to actually promote um, equality in this space.
1: How many ambassadors are there around the world do you think?
2: There are hundreds. Every month they send us a newsletter with like new people and which company they're from what country. So it's a global community. Um, One of the pillars of Women in Games actually is annual events. So we have an award show as well. And then um, what I look forward to actually is the Career and Networking Expo. Um, I had the chance to actually share my experience in esports there. And I think the use of that is, as um, Miao said, there are a lot of aspiring um, younger gamers, players who have no like direction to enter the games industry. So by having these events... Um, You get to see like other people's experience and how they got into the games industry. And actually, um, when you actually talk to someone who's like more senior, you gain knowledge and you feel more inspired to actually pursue that um, career path.
1: Do ambassadors work more within um, women in gaming, talking to other ambassadors or more of their time outside talking to others about women in gaming?
2: Um, so actually, um, there are ambassador-only events where you can talk to other ambassadors as well. Um, what we're doing is, for the upcoming event this year, Women in Games Asia will also have like a main focus there because previously, um, in the past year's events, it was, as I said, mainly focused on European experiences. So when someone from Asia joins the event, it's like, okay, it's good to know um, other people who have like the same um Jobs as we are, but there is a difference. So that's why for the upcoming one or next year's, we plan to have our own like Asia um, group for the festival so that, you know, other Asians as well can like discuss the similar issues we have.
1: I also saw that there are are several events that that you guys are doing that the, the organization Women in Gaming. Is doing which I think is is great. I mean that's that's the best way to especially now that people are able to get together and you can have live events, which are so much better, so much more powerful than than just uh, virtual events if you can do them. But you have some really good topics. We're, we'll talk about that in just a second. I want to ask you about, but want to talk for a little bit about jobs because that's our focus here at the Gamers Change Lives podcast we want to talk to people who have created jobs and people who are doing things to make it easier for other people to create jobs so really the first question i want to ask kind of a general question is what's the status of women working in esports around the world and in asia in particular these days because you guys are going to have a much better feel for it than i do
2: yeah um as we keep on saying this games industry is male dominated what more in eSports were are doing, professional gaming. Um, so I think our figures are like 50% females are gamers, right? But then for eSports, you have like a tiny, tiny community. And I think there are more initiatives now to actually have representation for women in eSports. So in my previous job, I was like doing more... Um, community grassroots tournaments most of the people who are joining are male but there are initiatives from game publishers from esports agencies to actually organize tournaments with ladies with a focus on ladies because um, I believe that representation especially when it comes to you know when you're like a small little girl and you want to get into gaming but there are no role models um this is a good way. Um this is a good first step to actually having um representation and you know eventually maybe in the future we won't have to do the, these initiatives anymore because it's a equal playing field for men and women.
1: Yes, you want to get you want to work yourself out of a job. <laughs> you want that to not 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 be needed anymore to to spread that. One of the things um yeah, because we, our second, our second guest here was Queen Arrow who from, um, Kenya, who's the fighting, um, championship over there. And it's just such a great story to hear her story of, you know, becoming a fighting, uh, a fighting, uh, professional player, you know, Mortal Kombat and so on, and how it, it has worked for her being, being female in Africa. Yeah, uh, you know, how the, it, it's been such a challenge for her to get where she is, but she's like, you know, on the world stage, you know, in multiple locations. And that's why it's just, it's interesting to see <clears throat> people like that because it comes back to just what you were describing. It's role models. If you want people to see, you want people to, to see someone and think that's, that's someone like me that's out there doing this. If they can do it, then there's a chance that I can do it that I can do it too. So with women in games, are there particular jobs that you're highlighting? Are there particular parts of esports or gaming? Well, first of all, do you focus more on gaming or esports?
2: So for us... I think it's both Um, in our leadership team in the community that we've done we've made with W Coffee um, most of the ladies are working in game studios and yeah like Meow (laughs) Uh, game publishers as well but there are a a few who are like working specifically for esports so that's me as well Um, we have others who are like part of the IESF so it's esports federations in Asia as well. So it's diverse.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. That's the same thing that we hear here over and over again. So in the scope of things, how do you think the women in games message is being received in, let's say, in Asia? Meow. Yeah.
0: So. Like, like I mentioned before, there's definitely uh, different perspectives um, vary from country to country. In Asia, the case is more like um, there's the language barrier to reach out to people who are like keen to um, promoting women's role in the industry. But there's also women who might not be aware of like there's a lack of presence of women in the gaming industry so I think um, especially in China what we want to do is to um, bring more women and to impact more women to be aware of that Um, there's the imbalance of gender equity in the gaming industry. And there's the opportunity that women can take. And there's the community that they can um, take insights and make friends within. So um, I think that's the focus in China. And for other parts of Asia, uh, it's definitely um, working with both corporate ambassadors. And also, um, individuals who are interested in our ambassador programs or um, our W Coffee program or mentorship program. So, I think uh, the both um, programs that will boost our community to have more impact.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Tom. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, actually, one of the goals that we have is to prepare like a pipeline for talent for entering the game space. So, like as you mentioned, um, Meow, um, there is little gender equity in, in this industry. So, what we want is to actually, you know, prepare something for future joiners in game. One,
1: one of the things I saw the way that <clears throat> the way that women in gaming is organized, doing some really interesting things. <clears throat> Sorry, doing the events like you're saying. Uh, the one that caught my eye was the investment and entrepreneurship forum. It's like that. That is just such a great. I mean, for for the topic that we cover here of, of creating game, uh, <laughs> creating jobs in in uh, in esports. <clears throat> that just sounds really good. That I want uh, to get, get more information on uh, because I think that that's really good. I also saw on on. Your site, you were talking about, there was a course, I think, by one of the large, um, organization, uh, one of the large federations. Who, yeah. I don't have all the details that I should in front of me here to, to talk about, it, but it was a course that people can take to an online course for free that people can learn more about how to, um, how to join the, the esports, the gaming world out there. And, and there's just all kinds of resources. The other thing I really, really liked seeing. You're giving out awards. It's like an awards program is one of the most underrated, um, uh, public relations, public relations events out there. It's like giving awards can be really, really good, good for you, for your organization, but also so good to recognize others for what they're doing. So I saw, I saw you have awards programs, which I I just think is great. We keep moving here. I want to talk about partnerships. Because one of the things that I saw was um Women in Gaming has some really, really good partnerships out there. I mean, with really big players, you're talking to Barclays Ventures, you're talking to um, uh, you know, AWS Game Tech, you're talking well, you're talking to Tencent probably. It's like you yeah, yeah, Galaxy Racer. <clears throat> so there's all kinds of partnerships out there. And one of the things we, we want to talk to our audience about is always, you know, how do you find partnerships? How do you find sponsorships? Out there. And I'm just curious if there's a strategy on the partnerships that women in gaming and women in gaming in Asia in particular. Um, use to get part uh, to get partners.
2: Um so actually when it comes to partnerships, we're really lucky right now because when I entered um the esports space in 2019, um esports and gaming was booming, but I think for now especially in the past year, two years, um there's been a there's been more focus to actually, you know, support women in games in general. So um, when it comes to tournaments um, being organized by game publishers, by organizations, um, you would see more tournaments targeting girls to actually enter. Um, I think this is a good first step. You know, um, As I mentioned before, uh, as you, Tom, pointed out, it's, we've done our job when you know, we see that there's no longer a need for pushing these um, efforts to actually represent women. Because the goal is to equalize. <laughs> Definitely.
0: Uh, so, uh, Chantal, um, add on to Shantel's point, um, how we work with partners in Asia, uh, we would utilize the um, like previous events, uh, the mothership, the UK uh, women in games part have done, and then uh, to like take advantage of the resources they have and to see if we can apply to our region. But also, um, there's the part that uh, we reach out to cooperate or individuals, um, like high level positions at uh, some famous companies and to reach out to them if they would like to um, like join our events or um, at our panels. To see how they want to build their like own brand identity, to uh, to reveal that they are like they have the interest and they care about the women community in the gaming industry.
1: What kind of response do you get from people when you reach out to them usually? Because because we live with it here a little bit, and you're know, finding guests for the podcast and talking to people who have been incredibly generous on on, uh, coming on board here to to work with us when you are out there approaching people to to come on board and work with women in gaming what kind of response do you get
0: i think we got responses from both sides so the positive side will be oh we support for uh women in games and we want to um show our interest and to show our respect for the women community. But there's also a side um, that is more conservative because um, for example, for some high level positions, a game company, they might be um, more careful about their um, own identity because they're going to represent the company and their talk or their words could harm or have a like a unforeseen impact on the uh, company identity. So um, I think we, we got various responses.
2: Yeah, but Is that definitely, the same for you, Chantel? Um. Yes, actually. Um. Working now in the North American market, I see that there are a lot of opportunities for like um funding and support for game female game players. Um, which is really lucky. And I think in Asia, as we keep on saying, there's a cultural difference. So in my experience before, um, I was working in Malaysia. So it's a Muslim country, right? So as a girl, the first hire for esports, I had um, issues wherein you know, they wouldn't want to talk to you as freely, maybe as if you're um, uh, compared that to if you were a guy. Right So there are cultural differences wherein being a woman maybe is a negative, but um, because of the support of W Coffee, of like other mentors in the game industry who are women, um, I was able to overcome that challenge, you know, uh, you just need confidence. have um, be ready with your data and facts when you like meet other people um, because. Yeah, these are like the everyday instances wherein being a woman in the games industry is like, you know, it's an issue that we face. And that is what we want to tackle by having these support systems in place and mentorship programs, actually.
1: And one of the things that always seems to help out is just just get out there and talk to people.
2: It's like, yeah. yeah it's, so thank you, Tom, like, for inviting us yeah, here. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the things that 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 we learned that Reginald and I learned doing the podcast this first season here is that it's it's nice to tell stories, but it's also it's really really good to make connections with people because you know when you're talking about Galaxy Racer, it's like we we know all about Galaxy Racer now that we didn't know before. So so just making the connections that we're going to be able to use for future seasons is is going to be really really good. So and partnerships. Are such a vital part of esports. It's like if you have a team or if you have a tournament, if you, you want to have those uh, sponsors out there and finding a sponsor for a team or a streamer is the same as it is for um, you know, a partnership like like you guys are doing there so well. And it's just all, all the time, I just keep thinking back to Queen Arrow there and her, her Mortal Kombat um, t- events around the world in, you know, coming all the way, all all the way from Kenya is just such Mm -hmm. a a role model there. One question that we ask everyone is, should the Olympics include esports in their official program?
2: Now you want to answer first? (laughs) Um, I think you can go first. (laughs) Okay. um, I think for for example, in Asia, there are a lot of push and initiative to actually um, include several esports titles already. Um, I think we had it in like the Asian Olympics, no, Southeast Asian Games. Um, I think for the Olympics, we could have our own um, category because I think you know these esports professional players actually do train a lot, and it's also a physical thing, mental actually. So it is a um a sport e-sport, electronic sports right it's just a different maybe it's not as physical but it is a sport yes I think it's um very
0: possible so right now I know in china there's a feel like um like small scale uh like province scale um sort of like the sports event that include, like, already include esports as a, a program. So um, further on, I think, for Olympics, it's more about how this um, sport can show the spirit of cooperation or, um, like, anything that related to um, the sports spirit. And also, is it, like, can be done in a healthy and encouraging way for individuals.
1: Yeah. One of the things we're always talking about here, because we're always trying to wrap things back into jobs and with, if the Olympics really gets on board and does a big push, there's going to be so many jobs created around the world as, you know, because one of the things I think that a lot of people don't always think of is the Olympics are just like the final event, there's like months, years of events leading up to that, that create, that has its own set of activity there. The thing I to ask people about, what about mobile? Is mobile esports, is mobile gaming, <laughs> is that the future of esports? Do you think?
0: Cause it's, it's yeah. interesting.
1: Cause you guys have, you guys are coming from two different places that, um, it'd be just interesting to know what your take on it is.
2: Actually, um, in year 2019, one of the first decks I made, the title was Mobile Gaming is the Future of Esports, um, which I think pretty uh, is true in Asia especially. Um, so what I discovered, of course, um, in North America, there's not a lot of mobile players. They, may, uh, they mainly play on their PCs, their beautiful rigs, their setups. But however, here in Asia um you know asians we like what's in front of us so a phone everybody has a phone it's very accessible um you might have like a very high-end um cell phone or you know just a normal um cell phone wherein it enables you to play games that are like smaller in size so the famous games in asia are like mobile legends um call of duty mobile PUBG mobile so the phenomenon is like in Asia, mobile eSports is actually like the main one because it's very accessible. It's very fun.
1: Chantal, is that the same thing in Mexico?
2: <laughs> actually, uh, walking around Mexico City, I keep seeing like flyers for um, Free Fire. So it's also a mobile game. So I'm guessing comparing to North, like US and Mexico, there are more like mobile players here.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I get on. I play Free Fire on mobile, oh, but yeah. only real. And it's like you know, I know that I'm getting beat, you know, by some, you know, by fourteen year old. <laughs> yeah, in India, who's like you know beating beating the heck out of me, but you know th- th- that's part of the fun. So what what about mobile in Asia? Meow. I bet I know the answer there. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So in Asia, it's definitely the major trend for um, players to play on their phones because it's more portable and also um, it's like it's like the main thing that we um, use in the daily life rather than a pc a computer and especially in china because we use that mobile payment and we use like phone to do everything nearly so i think uh playing on the phone uh, definitely makes sense for um players to like just um take out their phone and play anytime
2: anywhere uh-huh. to add on to that um the games r- nowadays they're like oh my god the quality is so good that i don't mind playing on my phone i don't mind playing on my ipad because uh, another reason is a gaming rig is so expensive. Compare that to, you know, just having your mobile phone be able to play games and you're entertained for hours and hours a day. And I think that's why in China, right, now they're limiting um, access to playing games for younger children. Younger, Right. And it's also a
0: different uh, monetization model because um, for phones, Because you can just like play very easily. You don't have to have the consoles or the um, computer ready. Um, You just have to open your phone, open the app. So it's more about free to play games. And there is like the um, guest as a service, like like the um, multi-mini transaction uh, within the game. So um, I think that's also... Um, an advantage playing on the phone because you can do the transaction through mobile payment very quickly, so that yeah. you just you have you have no awareness that you just spend all your money on that. Yeah.
2: Is
1: the mobile connectivity in Asia improving all the time?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: It's probably ahead of what we have here in, in the U.S. in many places. Because uh,
0: yeah, uh, I think especially. So. Like,
1: places like South Korea you hear that you know they're like one of the mo- one of the most connected places out there but but mm. do you find that the connectivity is getting better and better all the time
2: yeah actually because um, when i was going around southeast asia um for example i went to myanmar indonesia thailand philippines um connection wise uh it's getting better, like, more countries are adopting 5G, um, which I think was a conversation in esports they had before of, like, how will it change esports? Is it going to be, like, more high-quality games, bigger games are going to be on your phone? Um, But, yeah, um, I think one of the fears of people from the West is, like, oh, no, the internet is going to be so bad in Asia because, you know, we have a lot of island nations. Me coming from the Philippines, um, if you're not in one of the main cities, definitely connection would be like sparingly or like worse. But there are a lot of efforts to actually invest in infrastructure. So because it's not just for esports and gaming; it's also for like livelihood, technology of um, the people there.
1: What What's the future for women in gaming? What What's what, What's the What's What's the longer term plan? Do you think? for women in gaming and then women in gaming in asia
0: so for women in games um generally we will have um so right now we have the creative leadership lab and you can find in the on the uk page um it's more about like helping women who do well in the middle positions but like kind of stuck for um, leveling up to leadership roles so i think that's definitely a great opportunity for um, our audiences uh, who tend to have a like a more higher position but need more advice and help and for women in games asia will support a few conferences in asia about gaming and also we have the corporate partner uh, who is going to be our ambassadors at at the business level, and also we'll have the monthly W Coffee program. Just to just to see Chenta, if you have anything to add.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to add on to that, um, our goal is to have equality, diversity, inclusion in the games industry. Um, our long-term goal is to have more opportunities for women to enter the gaming and esports space. And we support all of the initiatives that, you know, support women for women.
1: It's a great program to have, have out there to, to show to, uh, to women, to girls around the world that women can be successful in gaming and can be successful in esports to give them the role models to be able to do that. Hey I I really appreciate you guys both taking um I mean guys in in the <laughs> the, the everyone sense not <laughs> it's yeah. like um um so now I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time here especially from all over the world to be able to talk about this because it's something we're going to keep talking about over and over again is is how more people can be involved in esports and particularly more women around the world. So where's the, where's the best place for people to learn more about women in gaming?
2: Yes, actually um, you can just head over to our W coffee website. It's women in We'll send over a link, a list of links that you can reach us. to. Yeah.
1: You one thing I just realized for this entire conversation, I have probably been saying women in gaming and <laughs> it fine. is not, just to make it super clear, we'll make it clear. The, it, it's Women in Games, right?
2: Women in Games and Women in Games Asia.
1: Okay, so this is, yeah, I'll go back to correct. <laughs> oh, I can't <laughs> correct the me mangling it over and over. But yes, to make a big deal, so people will remember, it's Women in Games out there, not Women in Gaming. Hey, it's six o'clock in the morning. Well, it's almost seven o'clock in the morning now here. So I get a I little think, bit of-,
2: of I of, think you of, get like, like
0: most of, um, the name right most, most of the times.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you, were, <laughs> maybe you were keeping, keeping track. So um, no, again, again, I really do appreciate, I appreciate Reginald setting up this interview because it's, it's an important conversation that we get to have. One of the, one of the good parts of having the podcast is be able to connect with people like you. So invite everyone to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts on social media. That way you're going to be notified when we publish our next episode. We have some really, really good guests coming up shortly, just like we had here today on all kinds of great topics that you do not want to miss. So thanks again for listening. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks to both of you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.